open your Bibles, please, whether it is by paper or digital, it doesn't matter to me, but uh, whichever one, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1. This is what I, I when, when Alan first asked me to be here this morning, I, I got uh, immediately kind of thinking lazy, okay, I'm going to preach the last sermon that I preached type thing, it's kind of fresh and on my mind type thing, but I get up every morning at 4 o'clock and have my devotional time with God. And uh, I was running through here through Ephesians, and I ran across these verses here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Uh, I have read God's Word through many, many times. And each time that I go through, I find something not new per se. I've read it all before. But... God's Holy Spirit revealing to me some things that I haven't seen in that light before. And we want to look at some of these this morning. Uh, so uh, we'll begin reading in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He has predestinated us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ as a plan from the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven and in things on earth in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it through the praise of his glory. Let us pray in the honor of reading God's holy word. Father God, we, we do come before you this morning, Father, acknowledging that you are the one true God and there is no other. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is absolute truth there's no hint of deception there's no hint of misleading father your word reveals you to us open our hearts god open our Father, let us see you and praise you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. I am employed as a um, construction worker. I, I use that term loosely. 
and so so did the people I work for. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, I do mainly electrical, and then I also dig around septic tanks and all kinds of other things, fun things. But uh, one thing that has always amazed me is the amount of planning that goes on in a house, in building a house. That as, as one who lives in a house, a lot of times I take the things for granted, okay? I go in, I flick the switch, the lights come on, I don't have to fall down the stairs or anything like that. I go to the restroom and all the plumbing works just real well. I turn on the air conditioning, the heat, and they all work real well. And so I don't think a whole lot of it, but as one who is there from the beginning to the end of the process, I see that a whole lot of planning takes place. Because if you don't plan in building a house, you may not have any of those creature comforts, okay? Because it takes planning to wire a house properly so that you have room for all the other amenities that goes on in a house. Here this morning, we want to look at plans. This is the one thing that kind of grabbed my attention when, when I was reading through was that God has a plan. Our plans can fail. Okay, uh, at work, I'm known as the old guy for obvious reasons. And as the old guy, sometimes it's good in a way that I get pampered. You know, uh, I don't have to find myself on top of roofs and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I want to be one of the guys. I will just want to be kind of treated as everybody else and and my boss will say to me, Joel, do you feel like going up there in the rafters? And I'm going, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll go. And he says, now, I don't want you to fall. And I said, well, I don't have it on my day planner, okay? <laughs> but uh, I do find myself falling from time to time. I haven't been seriously hurt. Not too bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we plan. We make plans. We plan. I remember Dolores and I, when we got married, that you know our plans were that we were going to have several children. Well, for six years we tried, and we, we couldn't have a child, and finally God graced us with one. And we wanted more, but God decided that one was more than enough for us, and we figured He was right, too, about that. But, you know... We make plans, who we're going to marry, where we're going to work, what are we going to do, things we want to see. Everybody has a bucket list, don't you? You know, you want to see some things, do some things. You've got plans, but our plans fall short. They, they, and sometimes we get disappointed because the plans that we have planned, that we have laid out, the desires on our hearts and lives, that they don't turn out like they want, or we don't, we don't get what we want at all. But we have a God who has the perfect plan. It will not be interrupted. It will not go wrong. And it is a plan that we can depend on. Paul here is writing to the church. And we have to understand that Paul's, all of Paul's epistles, as, as, as uh, every other epistle in the New Testament except for the Gospels, are written for the church. They're not written for lost people. They're written to the church. They're written to, to people like you and me. 
But the thing about what is going on here now is that Christianity is still viewed as a sect of Judaism. Okay? And during this time, and even before in Old Testament times, that the Greeks, that non-Jewish people were allowed to come to the temple and worship, but you couldn't go inside the temple itself. The Greeks, the Gentile people, that includes me and you, by the way, that they were able to worship God, but only from a distance. They weren't allowed to be with other believers. They weren't allowed to worship as one. And Paul here is writing to a Greek audience, a Gentile audience. And they are wondering this, can we be accepted by the same God that the, Jew, that the Jews worship, that the Hebrew people worship? Will we be counted as one, or will, be, will we be segregated? And Paul here is writing to them that says that God has only one plan. One plan is that all people, regardless of race, gender, social, economic backgrounds, God loves you and has always loved you and will always love you. And you are, will be accepted in His sight through Jesus Christ. So Paul here opens this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to talk a lot about that kind of toward the end, but I hate to say that because when I say that, you, this means that, okay, he's getting to the end, so lunch is on my mind now. But I don't want to do, don't want to do that. But folks, that's the most important part of this epistle is those words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is what this book is all about. It is what Christianity is all about. It is about God. It is not about us. It's about how great our God is. And that He loved us and He sent Jesus for us despite of who we are. But he says that this God, there he continues writing, who has blessed us in Christ and every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. A lot of times when, because of the corona thing that has gone on for so long that like many of you, we, we spend a lot of time streaming services. And... Uh, it's good, but folks, there's nothing like being with other believers in person, okay? God meant us to come together as one family and fellowship. And there's, it was just always something that seemed missing. And, and, and sometimes the, the people that we would stream, we would try to stream people that we, that we knew and were comfortable with, but sometimes, you know, We'll just try somebody else. And 
some of those other folks made it seem like that spiritual blessings, well, the blessings that God gives out are only physical. That if you just love God, then you will have the desires of your heart. That everything will be just right for you in all of your life. And I just want to ask you now, how, how is that working out for you? We used to come to this church and, and God kind of led us away. And as I look out among you, I see old faces, familiar faces. And I look at you and I know some of your life story and life certainly hadn't turned out the way that you had wanted. That there was definitely some big obstacles for you to go through. And just like probably some of you, that I had my doubts about, does God really love me? Is God really looking out for me? Is life supposed to be so hard? But we find what Jesus said that do not lay up your treasures here on earth where moth and rust will destroy and thieves will steal. But to lie up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot steal. See, the greatest blessings that, that God can give us are the spiritual. The monies that we have through our, our labor, our families, the things that we acquire. And folks, there's nothing wrong with having money, okay? Go to Wegmans, okay? Uh, I had to go to Wegmans yesterday. And uh, I walked out the door and I left my wallet inside. I come back inside. I, I, and the door said, you leave your wallet again? I said, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's a common habit, okay? And uh, I said, I, I think if I went there on looks, Wegmans might cost me more than I'm willing to pay. But, you know, it's how we use that money. God said that the root of all evil is not money, but is the love of it. Our blessings, the, spirit, the, the, the physical blessings that God blesses us with, they're great and numerous. But they're not going to last. They're only for this world. And as Christians, we were meant not for this world, but for another world. Heaven. To be in God's presence. And so, the greatest blessing that we can have is, is Jesus. Jesus, as He was talking, if you, if you, won't, turn, if you want to, and if I can, uh, turn to, to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 is, it begins the last week of Jesus' life here on earth. He is at, he is in Jerusalem, and, and there are some Greeks seeking Jesus, and, the, uh, and John writes it this way, starting in verse 20, it says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. These came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew uh, and Philip went to Jesus and told him, and Jesus answered them, 
The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There will be my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The Greeks are, are, are at Jerusalem in the time of the Passover here, where the people were gathering, the gathering, and they gathered for one thing, is to worship the God that brought them out of bondage in the land of Egypt all those thousands of years ago. And... They celebrated that. That was the most holiest time in the Jewish calendar there. They were, the, uh, were, were come together, and, and these Greeks were there. And they were God worshipers. They were no longer worshiping the gods that, uh, from, from their own countries and their deities in their own countries, but they were basically outcasts from their own people, and they come to Jerusalem to be outcasts. Why? To be worshiping God together. See, they heard about Jesus. They heard about His teachings. They heard about His miracles, about the lame walking and the blind seeing and the dead coming back to life. They heard all of those things. And as the Greeks were, they were very inquisitive, and so they wanted to discuss firsthand with Jesus this new religion, this new philosophy, this new way. And Jesus, he doesn't say, well, bring them on. We'll, we'll, we'll have this discussion. No, Jesus is saying, I already talked to you. Tell them blue in the face. I've talked to you. I've talked to you. I'm done talking with you. See, Jesus came, according to John 1, to show us the Father's glory. To show us what it is to be a child of God, a worshiper of God, a follower of God, what God is like, and why we should follow Him. See, isn't this why we have our small groups? God, I, I bless small groups. I bless this time that, and thankful for this time together that we can come corporately and, and worship and, and hear the words of God. And I pray that's what you hear. I pray you don't hear me. I pray you hear God. But we come and we we want to learn and have the teachings and, and so that we will know God more. But Jesus is, says, that is great and that is wonderful and that is needful. He says, but to be a follower of Christ, you must deny everything and follow me by faith. The mere knowledge will not get us to heaven. Jesus was confronted with this. Men came up to Him and said, said, Jesus, did we not prophesy in Your name? Did we not teach in Your name? Did we not cast out demons in Your name? And He says, depart from Me. I never knew You. See, they knew the Bible. They knew the Scripture. They knew the doctrine. But what they didn't do was to give everything that they have, their whole life, to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. And what do we get? 
What is our greatest spiritual blessing? The greatest spiritual blessing we have is Jesus himself. That is the greatest blessing. And Paul now goes back. He says, well, first let's this. He says, even chooses us before the foundations of the world. And this is the reason that God chose us, that, that he has chosen us, that he has uh, uh, adopted us into his family, is that his whole goal for us is to be holy and blameless. How many of you are holy and blameless? I am. In the sight of God, I am. Through Jesus Christ, I am. But this is not what Paul was starting out with. Paul starts out now, as he says, even before the foundations of the world, he chose us. Get this. Before you and I were ever even thought of by our parents, before our parents were ever thought of, God had already had a plan. Already. That He created us. He created humans, Adam and Eve. And He placed them in a garden. What? Where they could... Verse 3. Bless God. God did not create us that we could have an easy lifestyle or, or have all these wonderful things. No, God created us so that we would worship Him. To praise Him. To acknowledge His greatness. His holiness. And we were created holy and blameless. We were created without sin. We knew not sin. But that didn't last long, did it? And I'm afraid if I was there and I was Adam, it wouldn't have lasted near that long either. Paul says that he is the chiefest sinner. He just hasn't met me. We were created. We were created to be in the presence of God and worship Him and praise Him forever. We were created not to have sin in our life, not to be cast out from God, but we were created to always live in the presence of God for all eternity. That was the plan. We were created to be holy, to be absolutely blameless. But that didn't happen. But Paul doesn't say, okay, then plan B got interacted. He didn't know about Adam and Eve disgracing. He didn't know about these things. No. In love, verse 5, He predestinated us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to His will, to the praise the glory of His grace, which He has blessed us and beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, 
making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. There was no plan A part B, okay? When God created the heavens and the earth at the foundations of the earth, before all of these things, Jesus was already part of the plan. God foreknew. And this is the one of the things that we really need to get at here, is that God predestined. God foreknew. Things take us by surprise. Our plans fall apart before our very eyes. But God already knew. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing takes him off guard. He already knew. Now, why did God allow the fall to happen? You're going to have to ask him, okay? I don't have that answer. If I was God, I'd do a lot of things different. But God is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. If you think our God makes mistakes, we're not serving the same God. No. It's all part of His plan. One of the reasons I think God allowed the fall to happen, why He loves sinners like me is that he can show the rest of the world what true love is. What real love is. And this is what Paul writes here. He, he, he uses that word agape and uh, although in the Greek it, 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 it means more than, than just God's love, but it's the only way that the writers of the New Testament use that word. They only use that word for the kind of love that God has. The love that is unconditional. It does not depend upon you or I or what we do or what we will do or what we have done or what we might become. See, God loves us unconditionally just because He is God and that's what He does. Our daughter is 26, 28. Time flies. Enjoy your kids while you got them. Um, and we, she grew up, even before I was called to be a pastor, we always told her, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, we will always love you. Nothing can ever take away the love that we have for you. Now, she's tried it a few times, but. <laughs> but we love her no matter what she does, just like you love your, your, your kids and your family. No matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter where they go, you still love them. And you're right to do that because you are showing God's love. Paul says that God already had that part worked out too. And it was Jesus. 1 John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
Verse 14, And the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only one begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That is the love. Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated His love in this way, that while we were still in our sins, Christ died for us. Oh, do you see that, people? Do you see that? God sees you. Those things that, that you try to keep concealed from the world, that you have not told another living soul, even your husband, your wife, your mother, your brothers, your sister, you never told anyone else. God already knows that. He knows that shame that you're trying to hide and keep concealed. And guess what? He still sent Jesus to the cross for you. That's hard for us to understand. And this is why Paul writes, this is the mystery of God. How could God love us so much? How could God already have this plan on the books? And nothing can make His plans go wrong. Nothing can upset His plans. It's all a part of God's plan that He sent Jesus Christ. And folks, let me tell you this. Before you start thinking that you're valuable, you're wrong. You are not valuable. You have done nothing to deserve God's love. You've done nothing, absolutely nothing. There's nothing in your life that will make that work. Later on in Ephesians chapter 2, and verses 8 and 9, it says that we are saved through grace by faith. It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is the complete work of God. And this is what uh, Paul is trying to say. He predestinated all of this. Now, predestined does not mean that God foreknew that, that uh, who would and who would not go to heaven. Now, he probably does. But he hasn't told anybody about that, okay? And then you say, what about free will? Because Peter writes this. God does not wish anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Luke. It's not Christmas yet, but Luke. Taken from the nativity story. The angels are there at the, at the shepherds and it says, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for some people, for a few people, for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then the angels say, in verse 14, glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Those verses tell me two things. One, that Jesus came for the whole world. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have 
everlasting life. Salvation is open to all. But the angel said it. Only those who God favors rest, who have put their faith in God, will have peace. Will be blessed. There is a distinction. God calls each of us. He puts in us that desire to know Him because that desire is a part of our DNA. We were created to be with God for all eternity, sinless, blameless, holy. And in verse 10, it says, well, <clears throat> the hard part about this section of Scripture is it's all one sentence. In Him we have redemption through His blood and forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. I, I, I love that word. Okay, I just love that word lavished. And uh, I think John kind of picked up on this on, on, on John the Apostle and he wrote in his, in his first epistle there in chapter 3 he says, How great is the God, love of God that He has lavished on us. Now, when I think of that word lavished, I'm not thinking, okay, here, here's a little bit for you to do for right now. No, God just poured it on. He just poured every bit out through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. See? Beginning, I told you that I was holy and I was blameless. You didn't raise your hand, but I rose mine but I'm only that way through Jesus Christ. Nothing else. It is His righteousness in me. And that verse 10, it says, to unite all things in Him. That, that word unite would probably be better translated consummate. That He brought everything together. See, that was the plan, the predestined plan of God. That Jesus was going to restore the very creation that was destroyed. He was going to restore that relationship. He was going to restore that love. He was going to restore that holiness. He was going to restore that blamelessness that we were meant to have. That He was going to do that. In verse 11, through 14, Paul changes gears here just a, a tad. He, he tells us that, that this predestined plan for us came through God and God alone, that He alone came up with this plan. He alone is organizing that plan. He alone is seeing that plan through. Nobody but Him and has nothing to do with us. He placed in our hearts that desire to be there and He, and he calls each of us to, to come to be a part of Him. But then in, in, in verse 11, Paul says, okay, well that's good for them. What about now? In Him we have obtained, look at that, we have obtained. We, we're not obtaining, okay? We have obtained. That's faith. Faith is 
believing that we have something, even though that we cannot place our hands on that thing physically. Paul is telling us that the plan that God set forth in motion, we already have. We have an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory in him, you also heard that the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that believed in him, were sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Paul here is telling us, you can know without a doubt that you are saved and you can, that you are living according to God's plan because of God's Holy Spirit. It is that Holy Spirit that you receive at the moment of salvation. And folks, if you have not received the Holy Spirit, then you're not saved. Is there an amen in here or an oh me? But what is that Holy Spirit? Paul says that Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. This is the guarantee that, that we have salvation through Jesus Christ. Because it is that Holy Spirit that dwells in each believer that teaches us, comforts us, directs us into the paths of God. In Romans chapter 8, boy, Romans chapter 8 is just packed so much, and, and we'll try to get through this pretty quickly. It says, like the Spirit, Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray or what we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with the groanings of the deep words. I don't know about you, but this is a lot of my prayer. God, I don't know what to pray for. I don't, how to, I don't know how to say it. But there's the Holy Spirit there at the right hand of the Father interceding for us and say, Father, this is what He's saying. He can't express it like He needs to or wants to, but this is what He's saying. This is His heart. And how, how does the Holy Spirit do that? Because the Holy Spirit's God. And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to His purpose. Those are wonderful words to hear now, but there's not a lot of good words when there's pain and suffering in our life, is there? God knows. God's going to work it all out for our good. Well, they ain't helping me right now, okay? That, isn't that how we feel? That's exactly what he's doing. For those he foreknew, he also, to be conformed, listen to this, he predestinates, foreknew, to be conformed, into the image of His Son. In order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. Paul says here, as he is saying in Ephesians as well, He's saying, your the way God's plan is just simply this. For us to be formed, to be conformed into the image of God. Now folks, you can do this two ways. 
you can be like me and go kicking and screaming. Or you can yield and have that peace of God. Knowing that everything that is happening to you is doing just that. It's conforming you into the one that saved you. Paul writes in Philippians that Christ, being God, denied everything of God to be a sacrifice for us. And Paul said, let this mind of Christ be in you. This attitude of Christ be in you. In closing, don't, don't get at the apps for the restaurants quite yet, but let's get to the so what. What does all of this mean? God came up with a plan. He's working that plan. He's going to see that plan through. We don't have to fear. God's got us. He knows everything that's going on. He predestinated us. He called us into His family. He, he sent Jesus to the cross for us. And what is this? Why? Go back to that verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6. And to the praise of His glorious grace. Verse 12. So that we who will be the first hope might be to the praise of His glory. To verse 14, to the praise of His glory. Why did God go through all of this? Why did He develop this plan? Why did He send Jesus to get glory for us to praise Him? To bring us back. To what we were created for. We were created for the sole purpose of praising God and to live in His presence. That's it. God's plan for us, just like it started out in that Garden of Eden, for us to live in the presence of of a holy God, holy and blameless, praising Him for just who He is, what He's done. That's what it is. To be in the presence of God. See, the reason we have such defeated lives, that we live such defeated lives as Christians, is because of our view of God is not big enough. We view God as somebody who is more like us, that He's just so happy to have us on His team. Well, I'm sorry. It's not that. But it's all about God. Can we put our faith in God. And Paul says we can because he has the perfect plan. He has it all figured out. 
Nothing can depart him from that plan. Nothing can stop that plan from taking place. God has a plan to make you holy, to make you blameless, and it come through Jesus Christ. Today, I pray that you know this plan. I pray today that if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, that you will. I pray today that if you are a Christian and you're struggling to realize God already knows what you're going through and He's already made a plan for you. The thing is, are you going to trust Him? Are you going to trust a small God or are you going to trust the big God? that has the perfect plan. The God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that created you, and the God that made a way for you to be with Him, holy and blameless for all eternity. Let's pray. Father God, I do come before you today, Father, to praise you and to thank you for this day and the blessings that you have given us. But most of all, Father, I want to thank you and praise you for Jesus. Father, the author and the finisher of our faith. Father, I'm so thankful that my salvation has nothing to do with me, but everything with you. Father, may it be our desires that are here today that want it. Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, that, Father, today they will commit your, their life to you. And, Father, those of us that, that already know that greatest blessing, But Father, we have grown tired and we have grown weary. And we no longer see you as the God that has the perfect plan that is in complete control. Father, let us see you in all of your glory here this morning. Knowing of your great love that you have given us through Jesus. And the promise is, is that you will not leave us, nor will you abandon us at any point in time. Father, let us worship you daily to realize just how great and mighty you are. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.